Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Y'all are good today. I got up early, so, you know. I, uh, I just want to say thank you for being here this morning. If it's your first time here, you've been here for a long time, I mean, you haven't got to, an opportunity to connect with us, we would love to connect with you. Um, and there's some really simple ways to connect with us. Uh, the easiest way is to text our text number, which is 817-803-3131. Um, if you text the word connect to that number, um, and then it's going to bring up a little connection card for you to fill out. We'd love to get to know you, get more information about the church out to you, but we're also going to send you a little gift in the mail just for being here today and to say thank you and letting us serve you. Uh, and so it's going to be a great day. It's already been a good day today, and I can't wait to open up the Word with you today. And so let's just open up in prayer. Uh, specifically this morning, before we get started, I want to pray uh, for Syria and Turkey, um, all the devastation that they've been experiencing. Uh, we just need to pray for them. We need to pray for those communities pray for those countries. We're going to pray that God would uh, step in, but also that, that God would let his word go in there as well. And the gospel, this is a great opportunity for the gospel to go in and to set these people free. And uh, we're going to pray for them. Also, I know when these things happen, you wonder how you can help. Like, how can I help? And there's a lot of organizations out there that can help. Just be careful who you give your money to, because some of these organizations, they don't really send the money to those places. But I am going to give you an, a, 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 I'm going to give you a good organization that you can give to that does make sure that they get uh, the supplies that they need, and that is Convoy of Hope. And so if you want to give to that, please give to Convoy of Hope. They, they send supplies out uh, by the tons um, out there. So uh, let's stand and let's pray for these people, and then we're going to read the word together. Father God, I thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray for these people in Turkey. Lord, what devastation and destruction. God, as they stand before the wreckage and the rubble, God, that they would see your goodness even in this. God, it's so hard when families are ripped apart from tragedy. God, we know that you are still in charge. God, we still know that you have a plan. Even when these things happen, Lord, it, it doesn't seem like you have a plan, but God, you have a plan. You knew this was going to happen. And Father God, I pray that this somehow, that you would get glory through it, God, that people would find you, that they would come to faith, that Jesus, your name, would be allowed into that place and that people would find hope in the gospel, that people would get their needs met, that they would find those people still buried, God, that they would be raised up, God, that they would not be dead, but you would just uh, be there and give them insight, give the rescue workers wisdom, give them strength. Father God, let the nations pour into that, those communities. God, let this be a moment for the nations to become one and move forward for a common good. Father, God, help us as your church to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
Amen. So before we sit down, we've been reading the word together. Uh, we've been going through Isaiah 53 together. And so I don't want you to get too comfortable. I'll have to stand back up and do it again. So I know we've been standing a lot already. So we've been going through Isaiah 53 together, learning about who Jesus is, uh, what he's done and what he wants to do through us. And so we are about halfway through Isaiah 53 and it's just been an amazing journey. And so we're going to read Isaiah 53 together and then we're going to get into the message today. This passage actually starts in Isaiah 52. And so what we've been doing is I've been reading the odd numbers. You've been reading the even numbers. Um, and so y'all have been doing so good as well. So thank you for your reading. By the end of this, you should have it memorized, hopefully. Um, and so it's going to be good. So I'm going to start on Isaiah 52, 13, and then you're just going to follow up there, following in the even number verses. You ready? Here we go. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they have not been told, and they will understand what they have not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his, of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that today you would open the ears to hear, the hearts to receive. God, let my mouth be just your mouthpiece today, God. I pray that you would move in someone's life and they would come find life in you and they would come home today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me have a seat. So as I said, we've been going through Isaiah 53, trying to figure out who Jesus is. We're calling this a Jesus series. Um, and hopefully by the end of this, maybe even by now, you've got a new appreciation for Jesus and that you understand 
more and more deeply what he's done for you and in you and what he wants to do through you. And the more I dig in, the more I fall in love with Jesus. The more I dig in, the more I fall in love with his word. And I pray that as you dig in into who he is, that you just fall more and more in love with Jesus because he's done so much for us. He's done so much for us. And that's what we're unpacking here through Isaiah 53, what he's done and who he is. And today we're going to talk about him being our good shepherd. Because this passage in verse 6 says, All of us like sheep have strayed away. All of us like sheep have strayed. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Even though we strayed, even though we ran away, God still took responsibility for us. And he laid the sins of us on his son to buy us back. He's a good shepherd. A good shepherd lays his life down for his flock. A good shepherd takes care of his sheep. A good shepherd takes responsibility for the sheep. And I know as you read scripture, there's a lot of times you'll read this and it talks about God's people being sheep. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I got kind of offended. Like, I'm not a sheep. I'm a lion, maybe. I'm not a sheep. Sheep are dumb and smelly, right? And so, so if somebody calls you a sheep, you can be offended. It's almost offensive. But really, when you look at sheep and you look at human mankind, there's not a whole lot of difference. In fact, I looked up what happens to sheep without a shepherd because I was wondering, what would, why do sheep need a shepherd? I didn't know. I've never really raised sheep. I had a couple of sheep when I was a kid, but I didn't raise a flock. Why do sheep need a shepherd? And what happens to sheep if they don't have a shepherd? And so I looked up at farmingbase.com, <laughs> this article. Hey, the Internet's a great thing, right? Farmingbase.com, why sheep need a shepherd. And so here's the article. Sheep aren't necessarily the brightest animals you'll find on the farm. It should come as no surprise that if left to themselves, sheep are very unlikely to last very long. Without a shepherd, sheep are prone to wandering off from the flock. And there's a reason for this. Naturally, sheep are hotwired to follow each other. If you take a chance and observe their movement, you'll see this. The paths they follow are usually winding. They do this so they can see ahead of them and behind them. They can't help it. It's just an inbuilt instinct in their brains, and they cannot be changed. But what does this mean if there isn't a shepherd to watch over them? One of the likely scenarios is that the sheep can follow each other off a cliff. Think about it. They just follow each other around with no thought of danger in mind. So if the sheep at the front of the flock stumbles down a cliff, it's quite likely that the rest will do so too. Without a shepherd, it may also become hard for sheep to find pasture and water, which they require for survival. In such a case, the ewes may become weak and unable to provide milk for their offspring, who then also die. Another instance, if there's no shepherd, is that they may get attacked by predators. Sheep are fairly defensive animals. If left on their own, they can easily get picked off by predators, even in their huge numbers. They stand no chance against a hungry apex predator. Also, if sheep have no shepherd, their wool overgrows. It becomes matted, heavy, dirty, and it is infected with parasites. This infects them with the disease and internal worms, which may re reduce their survival rate. Without a shepherd, their hooves are uncared for, which may also make it hard for them to move. Unattended sheep are a pretty sorry sight to see. There are a lot of unfortunate things that could happen to them if the shepherd is not present, because it's quite easy for sheep to get lost due to their flocking mentality. They're likely to go astray on most occasions, and sheep follow one another blindly. They have an instinct to flock together as to keep safe. This means that if the leader gets lost, the rest of the flock is lost too. 
The truth of the matter is that if one sheep decides to go a certain way, the rest of the sheep will always go that way, even if it's not a good idea. It's not something we think about. It's just a condition in their brains from birth. Even when being watched by a shepherd, it's easy for sheep to get lost. All it takes is for one member of the flock to wander off, and the rest will follow. Another thing worth noting is that sheep get spooked easily. They are afraid of even the smallest things you can think of. But that doesn't mean you should mess around with them. They can be dangerous if provoked. Amen to that. If, here is the point if I'm trying to get across to you. If they are scared or get attacked by a predator, sheep flee without a moment's notice. They won't, they won't try to fight in any way. Their natural instinct is to run. They have excellent senses. So if they get spooked, they take off. And when that happens, it's easy for them to get lost. When a sheep becomes separated from the flock, it usually becomes agitated. And so it wanders off even further in such an instance. And believe it or not, finding them can become a very big hassle. If you look on the internet, you'll find dozens of stories of shepherds who lost their sheep and went through all kinds of stuff trying to search for them. Sometimes they succeed and other times they fail miserably. So with all this in mind, you can see how important it is for a sheep to have a shepherd. And as we look at that, you see the comparison between mankind and sheep. Like, oh, yeah, we, we tend to chase after other things. We tend to follow people instead of what's good for us. And we just follow people blindly. Oh, what are you doing? Well, let's do that. And they fall off the cliff. You know, when your mom said, if they jumped off the cliff, would you jump off a cliff as well? Probably. And, and so we just follow people blindly thinking that they have what we need or we're going to get something from them. Or we follow other things and we, we get scared and we run away from the flock. A lot of people leave church because they get scared or offended and they never come back. People leave the flock because of just getting law, get, getting their eyes off of Jesus and on other things, thinking that that's going to bring them purpose and hope. But we need a shepherd to keep us where we need to be. We need a shepherd to come alongside and to guide us and to keep us safe and to make sure that we're clean and trimmed and you know, all the, the wool's taken off. He's the one that takes care of us. Jesus is that good shepherd in our life. He's the good shepherd. He's not a shepherd that's going to beat you or take you out. He's a shepherd that's going to love you and take care of you. So here's the point I'm trying to get across. Without a shepherd, people die. Without a shepherd, people die. Because we're always chasing something better. I don't know about you, but growing up in my life, I would always be going after the next best thing. My friends would do something and so I would do what my friends did because I wanted to be accepted by my friends. Whether it's drinking or smoking things we shouldn't smoke or doing things we shouldn't do. I was chasing after affections from people that really couldn't give me what I needed in the first place. And so I just followed them blindly thinking that that was going to bring me life, but it never brought me life. It only brought death. And for you and for me, when we understand that there is a way of life and that there is someone we can follow because we're always looking for somebody to follow. We're always looking for somebody that knows the way. But if we look to the good shepherd, he shows us the right way to go. He shows us the way in which we are to live. He is the good shepherd and he takes care of us. He doesn't get angry with us. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't get mad because we keep falling into a ditch. I have a couple of videos of some sheep falling into a ditch. And as you watch these videos, we're really like this. <laughs> I mean, it's just us. And so we're going to watch these two cute videos. You're going to play those.
Maybe they're going to play. There we go. He's out. And he's back in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Is this one going to work? There we go. He's out. It's good. And he's back in. <laughs> I love the... Uh, I love that one because at the end of the video, God just sticks the stake back in and walks off and is like, I'm done with your sheep. But we're not like that at all. I mean, we're, we just keep falling into it. I mean, is that your life sometimes? You just keep falling into the ditch. Like, how did I get back in this ditch? It's because you didn't keep your eyes on the shepherd. You didn't keep the, your eyes on, you're looking at something else and you just got distracted. And we have a good shepherd that not only leads us, but he's good enough to pull us out of those ditches. And even though we fall back in and jump back in, he's patient and <laughs> with us, and he pulls us back out again until, one, until we start following him. He's the good shepherd. We need a shepherd to follow. Jesus knows the condition of our heart. I love that passage. It says, even though we strayed like sheep, he took responsibility for us. The sins of us were laid on him, meaning I'm going to take responsibility for them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Father. I love this story in Matthew. Matthew writes about Jesus walking into the city and he sees all these people sick and hurt and, and all these people and just all kinds of problems. And it says, Matthew writes this, when Jesus saw the crowds, 936, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They couldn't help it. They were just doing what sheep do. When sheep get scared, they... Run away. They get scared. They go after each other. These people had no idea what they were doing. They were open to every attack from the enemy. When we don't have a shepherd, we're open to every attack from the enemy. They're starving for truth. Jesus walked into towns and they were wanting him to teach them the truth. And they've all gone feral. They were attacking each other for whatever they could get. And whatever they thought would give them gain. They were easily led astray, but Jesus came in to give them life. And I'm telling you today, maybe you're like a sheep. Maybe you're looking to the left. You're looking to the right. You're looking for some kind of purpose, something to fill you, something to give you what you need. But I'm telling you, when you look in the right direction, when you look at the shepherd, he's going to lead you in the right way. We don't want to be sheep in that way. We want to be, <laughs> we want to be his sheep, but we don't want to just run off without thinking. Because like I said, if we're not careful, our stomach becomes our shepherd. And we start chasing after our own pleasures, our own desires, the things that we think is going to fill us up. But most of the time, it doesn't. Because I don't know about you, when I chase after the things that I think I want, I find myself in fields full of thieves, robbers, and wolves. But the Lord is our good shepherd. And I want to look about, I want to look in Scripture today about the good shepherd and so why, what better place to look than Psalm 23? Psalm 23, if you're, if you're a believer and you've never memorized Psalm 23, maybe make it a priority this year to memorize Psalm 23. Because in this Psalm, you see how much care the Lord has for us. King David is the one who wrote this. And who better to know about what a shepherd is than King David? King David was a shepherd as a young boy. He took care of goats and sheep. And then the Lord called him out of shepherding sheep to shepherding his people as a king. And so David writes this, this psalm thinking about the goodness of the Lord. I can imagine him sitting in his castle thinking about all that God has brought him through, all that God's doing in his life. 
reflecting and saying, ah, Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. See, the attribute of the shepherd is that he takes care of us. He gives us what we need. We, he provides for us. The shepherd provides for us. He gives us what we need. We don't have to chase after other things. We can be content because our Lord provides what we need. I love Psalm 34. It says, taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys to those who take refuge in him for the Lord. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. He's not saying you have everything that you want. But he is saying is you're going to have everything that you need. I don't know about you, but there's times growing up and there's still times where I, I don't have what I need, but the Lord always provides it. When I was probably seven or eight years old, I remember very vividly the first time I ever saw God's provision, a miracle. We were, I came home from school, me and my, my, uh, my, my sister, and we were hungry. And, and mom said, we don't really have anything in, in the house. Uh, but we, and I don't get paid for another two days, so we're going to pray. And so we got around and we prayed. And we prayed that Lord, the Lord would give us some groceries or give us some money or something so we could go buy some groceries. And two hours later, some people from the church showed up that we were going to. And they had bags and bags of groceries for us. We didn't call anybody. I mean, we did call somebody, but we didn't call them. We didn't let them know we were in need. God knew. God knew, and God provides for his children. He makes sure they have what they need. What they need. Not always what they want, but what they need. But here's the thing, one thing that I've also found is that God's even met my wants, as silly as that is. There's things that, that God has given to me, and I just wanted them. I really didn't need them, but I wanted them, and he gave them to me because he loves you that much. And, and so we, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to go after chasing after other things to, to find contentment. When we follow the good shepherd, he gives us contentment. He gives us what we need. He provides for us. So the question I have for you is, have you tasted the Lord's goodness? Have you tasted the food he gives you? I'm telling you, once you taste and see the Lord is good, you won't chase after any other thing. Because it's so good. There's no cheesecake better. There's no bluebell ice cream flavor better. Jesus, what he gives, satisfies He's the good shepherd. He also makes me lie down in green pastures, verse 2. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. See, the good shepherd gives us peace and rest. Gives us a shalom peace. Not just, uh, not, not just a calmness, but a shalom peace. We talked about that last week. A shalom, a wholeness. Nothing missing in my life. Like, I can be content and I have peace because I have all that I need. He has given me health, wholeness, peace. I love this. He makes me lie down. Have you ever had the Lord like make you lay down? Yes. It's, it's not pleasant, but it's good. You're like, God, why are you making me lay down? He's like, you just need to calm down, son. I got this. Stop trying to control things because here's the thing. We come to God so many times with our fists closed because we're fighting him. There's two postures with closed fists. We're, we're holding on to something, right? Like, I'm not going to give it up. Or you're fighting God. There's actually three, I guess. 
Or they're like this, you're trying to control things. And God's just saying, do this. Let me give you what you need. Let me give you peace. Let me make you lie down in green pastures, beautiful places. And I'm going to put you by the still waters, the quiet place. The wind and the waves still know his name, guys. He puts you in quiet places where he can restore your soul. Jesus told his disciples, guys, come away with me to a quiet place. Because they were working hard, Jesus knew the benefit of going to the quiet place and spending time with the Father. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to go on a, a weekend getaway or a full week retreat, spiritual retreat. The Road to Amaze is a good one, or there's uh, the Quest Life. There's a lot of good organizations that, out there that put on these weekly retreats. I would challenge you this week to make time to do that. Or not this week, but this year, to make time to do that. You're like, I'm gone. See you later. <laughs> All right. Pastor said, I can't come in. Sorry. But to, to plan it this year, to go, go away to a quiet place and really reacquaint yourself with the Lord, because in that, your soul finds rest. Because a lot of times we're, we're anxious and we're fearful and we don't know where it's coming from. I get like that. I'm like, there's really nothing in my life that's super, I mean, the world's the world. You can't fix that. I mean, God can. But there's things in my life, I'm like, why do I feel so anxious right now? Why am I so fearful? There's really nothing in my life that's causing this. I can't, I can't nail it down. A lot of times it's my soul. My soul is overworked. I haven't had rest. I haven't spent time with the Lord. I've jumped off of the vine and I haven't allowed the Lord to give me what I need. And so we have to get back onto where he wants us to be. We have to get back into his flock, back in, in where he can help us to lay down, get rest, and have our souls restored. He's the good shepherd who gives us good places to be. I love Ezekiel 34 because this talks about Jesus himself being our shepherd. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from the places where they were scattered on that dark, cloudy day. I will bring them back and home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples of the nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in the places where the people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. They will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. You know why we can have peace? Because he's there. Without the presence of God, there is no peace. We can lay down in quiet places knowing that he's there and he gives us that shalom peace that we need. If anxiety and depression and the pressures of life are pushing you down, maybe you're following another shepherd. Maybe you're following yourself. Maybe your eyes have been taken off of him and you've wandered off. And you know what happens when sheep get scared? They leave the flock and they're fodder for the enemy. We have to keep our eyes on the good shepherd, and he gives us peace. We don't like peace. We don't like quiet. I'm going to prove it to you right now. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do, a, quick, I'm going to do a quick little exercise with you. So here's what we're going to do. For 60 whole seconds, we're going to close our eyes. We're not going to say a word. You, need, you can breathe, but don't say a word. <laughs> Absolute silence. So we're going to close our eyes. Here we go. 60 seconds. Get all your coughs out. We're good. We're just going to sit in silence. Here we go. 
eternity. Eternity. A lot of us don't like the quiet, do we? See, this world, it, it's, it's so loud. I don't know. I can't sleep without a fan on. I can't be in my house without the TV just in the background. I'm not even watching TV. I just, it's the background, right? See, we always have this background noise in our life. We have so many things to distract us, so many things to keep our eyes off of Jesus. And so it'd be good for us to get away and, and let him give us some peace. I went on a retreat one time for a week, and I came home, and I just went to the back porch and stayed there. And my wife's like, what's with you? Why are you always out here? Like, it's quiet and peaceful. Your pace, when you're away, your pace slows down, and you walk slower, and you take more time to realize where the Lord's at. That's why it's so important. And that's why he makes you lay down sometimes, because you need it. Then the good shepherd leads me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What is that passage about? The shepherd leads us to the good path. He won't let us fall into the ditch. He's not going to lead us into a ditch. He's going to lead us to the good path, his path that he's set out for you. See, the Lord is in each and every one of you has put something in you, and he wants to bring that out of you. And so he, he leads you into his path so that you can bring glory to God through your life. The shepherd leads us to the good ways. He leads us and guides us to God's destiny for our life. He, he leads us into those good places. If we listen to him, if we hear him, he guides us in the right paths. So often we don't look for him. We went to Disney World one time. I don't think we ever financially recovered from that, but we did go to Disney World. <laughs> and, uh, and they had these big groups of kids, right? Uh, they're from all different, I think it was, they're maybe from Japan or, or China. And they had the flag, right? They had the big group, and so they had the, the leader, this big pole with a flag on it. And these kids would just have to look up and see the flag and all the, all the people, you know, hauling the kids around. Look, look for the flag. Look for the flag. If you get lost, look for the flag and, and go to the flag. It, it was, he, was, he was guiding them in those, those right places. And see, we, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And he guides us into those paths of righteousness. He keeps us safe. He tells us where to go. Isaiah 30 says, your own ears will hear him. Believer, you can hear the Lord. Maybe you don't know this. The Lord speaks to you. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. And this is the best part. Then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying good riddance to them. Remember, paths of righteousness. When you hear the Lord, you're going to follow him. And guess what? All the things that you've been listening to before, all the things that have been distracting you before, you're going to get rid of. What is an idol? It's anything you put before God. Anything you look to to bring you peace or comfort before God. And when you, when you come to the Father and you let him shepherd you and you hear his voice, all these other voices don't matter. You're going to toss it out. Good riddance. Good riddance. I don't need you. I have somebody that's going to lead me to the good path. He leads us in the right path. Then verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd protects his flock from the enemy. The good shepherd lays down his life for the enemy. John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. 
A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they do not belong to him and he isn't their sheep. And so the wolf attacks him and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me, I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus will never leave you when things get hard. He's not a hired hand. He's not in it to get something from you. He wants something for you. And as a church, we're not here to get something from you. We want something for you. And Jesus is, is here saying, you're going to go through hard times. It's a promise. I don't know where this idea came up when we gave our life to Christ, like everything was going to be magnificent and everything was going to be great. It'd be rainbows and unicorns all day long. We're going to walk through things. We're going to walk through trials and hard, hardships. We're going to walk through stress, disappointments and sickness. We're going to have job loss. We're going to have people die that we didn't expect to die. We're going to have things in this life that are going to happen to us. But the good news is, is that the shepherd is with us in those things. He never promised us great days, but he did promise us that he would be with us in every day. He said, I'm going to walk through the valley with you. You can have comfort because I am there. When we walk through the valley of death, we know that death is waiting to get us. That's why it's called the valley of death. But when the, when, when the good shepherd is with us, we don't have to fear it. We don't have to fear it. The good shepherd defends us. When the enemy is setting up an ambush, he sees it ahead of time. He dispels it. He gets rid of it. And he protects us. He's going to defend us. The shepherd carries two items. He carries the staff and he carries, he carries the, the rod. The staff is, is a tool of guiding. Use the staff to guide. So it's, it's, it's a tool of leadership. And then he had a big stick, the rod. It was used not to hit the sheep or beat the sheep. It was used to fend off the enemy. And the good shepherd knew how to use both of them. And my Lord Jesus knows how to use both of them. And the good thing is, is God has given him the authority to use both. He has the authority to lead me because I've given him that authority. It's not like as I, by saying, Lord, I am, I am yours. Whatever you want, I surrender to you. I will be your sheep. I will, be, I, will, I'll, I will follow you. Therefore, I gave him that authority. But he also has the authority to protect me because I am under, his, I am under him. And so the authority to protect me is because I said, Lord, you can, you're mine, Right? You're my savior. I give my life to you. I put everything I am to you. You're going to lead me. You're going to protect me. You're going to guide me. You're my shepherd. I put myself under his watch. He has authority to use both. He will lead you and he will protect you. He's a good shepherd. He won't leave you when the wolf comes. He won't leave you in hard times come. I'm telling you everything else that you ask that you think is going to protect you and keep you safe, they're going to, it's going to leave you. When the hard times come, they're going to leave you. Why? Because they're a different shepherd. Addictions can't save you. Those drugs, those alcohol, the things that you put your hope into, those things you think are going to make you, give you peace and give you security, there's no security there. It's a trap. It's Death Valley. You've fallen in just like those sheep, and we keep falling in. So we need the good shepherd to pull us out and to lead us through. My favorite part about this scripture is verse five. So the shepherd protects us and the shepherd gives us purpose. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
But what is this talking about, anointing? We use that word a lot in the church world. It's like, oh, they're so anointed. What does that mean? It means God has put something on them for a specific purpose, right? That God has placed his spirit on them for a specific thing. When somebody says, well, you have anointed worship or you're anointed whatever. I'm talking about God has anointed them to do that. He has, he has placed and called them to do that. And in, in these times, when David wrote this, they would really anoint three things. They would anoint priests, kings, and prophets. And so priests, kings, and prophets would be anointed by oil as a sign saying that you are chosen to represent God to these people. And, and, and David is looking back at his life saying, God, you have anointed me to be the king. You have anointed me to, 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 to shepherd your people. You anoint my head with oil in the presence of my enemies. God is our promoter. So many of us, we try to fight and claw and cry, you know, and, and get what we think we need to get promoted. But promotion comes from the Lord. That's scriptural. Only he can give us promotion, true promotion. Because I'm telling you, how you got it is how you're going to keep it. So if you got a higher position because you cut somebody else out, guess what? Cutting line's pretty close. How you get something is how you're going to keep it. Let the Lord promote you. Don't fight. Just, just love God. And that's what David did. David was taken out of the field and into the kingdom of God. And while he's writing this, I can think about the time where Samuel came and he anointed him king in front of his brothers. His brothers didn't think anything highly of him. His, even, his own dad didn't even think highly of David. But we see in this passage him being promoted in the presence of his enemies him being anointed, and his cup being filled. What is the cup being filled? It's the Spirit of God in us. It's the grace that God gives us to do the thing that he's called us to do. And so 1 Samuel 16, 11, I love this. Samuel asked, because he's looking for the new king, Saul's messed up. He goes to Jesse's house. He sees all these strong boys, and he's like, one of these guys has got to be king. And he goes to each one, and the Lord's like, no, 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 no. Samuel's like, there's no more. And so he says... Are all these the sons that you have? Verse 11. And he goes, there is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Didn't even think about him. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. The table's set, but he's not there yet. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. And so David stood there among his brothers, his haters, his own dad. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit, here's the filling of the cup. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. See, only the Lord can give us true purpose. Only the Lord can call out of us what he put in us. And that's why we, we have to follow him because he gives us purpose. I mean, why, who on earth would follow anybody else besides Jesus? I've followed everybody else. I've done all these other things. But Jesus is the only one that's given me true purpose. He's the only one that's really given me what I need. He's the only one where I can find contentment. He's the only one where I can find protection. He's the only one that I know can give me true peace. Why would we follow anybody else? And David's looking back on his life saying, Lord, you are so good to me. In the presence of my enemies, you present me to them and you promote me in front of them. And you fill me with your spirit. 
That's what he does for you. That's what he does for me. He gives us purpose. He gives you all that you need to accomplish his works. Then he ends in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell with the house of the Lord forever. I get the worship team to come up. I want to focus on this for a second. Our biggest fear is the future. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen when we leave out here today. So as humans, our natural fear is to always be in the future. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen the next day? What's going to happen to my kids in the future? What's going to happen to my job? Am I going to have enough retirement? Am am I going to have enough? We have all these fears about the future, and it drives us to leave the flock and to chase after other things, to find hope in those things, to find a destiny in those things. But only God can give you destiny. He's the only one that can, can put destiny in your life. He secures your destiny. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What does that tell to me? It tells me this. Goodness and mercy are going to be there tomorrow. What does that tell me about next week? Goodness and mercy are going to be there next week. What does the future hold for me? Goodness and mercy. Why do I fear knowing that the Lord has it all in his hands? I can't control the future, but I know someone who does. And so I can put my faith in him and I can trust in the destiny that he has for me because he wants me in his house forever. I love that. He goes, I will dwell on the Lord's house forever. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. Nothing better. When you're in the presence of God, it's just, I can explain it. Life makes sense because that's what we were created for. We were created to be in his presence. We were created to know him and to be in him. He secures our destiny. Jesus tells this parable about the sheep and the sheepfold and the gate, John 10, 1. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going into the gate must surely be a thief or a robber. They're here to steal your destiny. But the one who enters through the gate is the, sh- is the shepherd of the sheep. He's talking about himself. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They won't run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration, didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them plainly. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers. Everything you chase that's not Jesus is a thief and a robber. It's going to take from your life. It's never going to give you anything. Jesus is saying, come to me. I'm going to give you life. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved a destiny. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Anywhere you else you go, anything else you let shepherd you and you try to go by yourself, you're going to find death, destruction, and loss. Steal, kill, destroy. But he says, my purpose, I'm the good shepherd. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. For those of you who have given your life to Jesus, you know this. You know the rich and satisfying life that you have in him. I didn't know what that was, but when I said yes to Jesus, 
that rich and satisfying life came to me. Doesn't mean my life's easy. Doesn't mean my life's great, but it means it's rich and satisfying. And for those who have been married for a long time, you know this. Marriage doesn't get any easier. I don't know, people have been been married 60 years, like, oh, marriage has got to be easy for them. No, it's not easy. You wake up to the next person next to you every day, and they're different, you know, it's a different person. But what is it? It's richer, it's fuller, and it's more beautiful. And that's what Jesus does for us. He makes our life richer, fuller, and more beautiful. He gives us a rich and satisfying life. Despite what happens to us, despite what's going on around us, we can trust in him. We can trust in him. So if I can get the ministry team to come up. I have a challenge for you. I want you to take a good look at your life right now. Because so many of us, maybe right now, I've been speaking about this. It's like, man, I don't think I have this shepherd in my life. I don't think I know who the shepherd is. Or you may be looking at your life going, I've left the flock. I have ran away. I've strayed away and I don't know where to go. I'm running around in circles out here in the middle of this field and I feel like I'm about to be devoured. I want to tell you, Jesus is calling out to you. He's calling for you. He's going after you. He's chasing after you. I love this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 18. He goes, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go to search for the one that's lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than any of the other 99 that didn't wander away. So many of us think God's mad at us. Jesus is angry at us. I'm telling you, when he grabs you, he's going to rejoice. And he's going to tell everybody, look who I brought home. Look who I brought home. In the same way, it is, it is not my heavenly father's will that any one of these little ones should perish. That's you. It's not his will that you fail, fall away. It's not his will that you stray. It's not his will that you die without him. He wants you to know him and chases after you. I love that song, Reckless Love. He chases after you without, without hesitation. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a good look at your life. We're going to do a spiritual inventory. So first question I want to ask you, and if you have any of these that are lacking in your life, I'm going to challenge you to come get prayer. Do you have contentment or do you always have want? Are you always looking for something more, something better to fill you up? You're not content with anything you have. Maybe you've left the flock. Maybe you strayed away. Do you live in shalom peace, perfect peace? Or does anxiety and pressure drive you? Does anxiety drive your decisions? Does, does pressure keep you from moving forward? Maybe you're following a different shepherd. Are you protected? Do you feel safe? Or is the enemy trying to devour you? Does your life have true purpose? Do you know why you are? Or do you keep looking in the mirror and at others and feeling significant? Like, man, if I was just them, or if I was just like that, Jesus gives you purpose. You don't have to be them. He made you you for a reason. Do you know what the future holds? Or do you fear the future? Are you always walking around in fear? Come to Jesus. Let him shepherd you. Let him be Lord of your life. Look to him. Listen to his voice. 
and live. That's what he wants for you. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read this statement that I wrote. And then I'm going to pray for you. And then if you need prayer for anything, any of these things, that little spiritual inventory, if, you, if you've left the flock, I want you to know God's bringing you back in. And I want you to come talk to one of these ministry team. And they're going to pray with you. And they're going to show you where the shepherd's at. He's right in front of you. Sometimes you just need help getting there. And they're going to help you. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about the good shepherd. This is a statement that I wrote. The, the good shepherd will not leave his flock. He will not let them see death. He will guide them. He will protect them. He will lead them to good places. He will watch over his possessions while they eat and anoint them to keep the flies and the pestilence away. It's a whole nother message. <laughs> he, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is where the shepherd takes us. I can run from him to seek a better pasture, yet I find it's never better. The grass turns bitter, the water is tainted, the wolves are circling and my end is close. Yet the Lord comes and rescues me. Why? Why does he do this? I'm the one that ran. I left his presence and yet he still comes after me. Why doesn't he just end me or let me wander on to death? It's because the sheep do not understand. The sheep are only doing what comes natural, seeking shelter, seeking food, seeking company and purpose. Yet he still finds me and he snatches me back. I have never found him angry, but always gentle. He's gentle with you. So Father, I pray for everyone right now that they would come and get prayer, Lord. Somebody in here today, Father God, maybe online, they've never given their life to you, Father God. I pray that today is the day that they finally give in to you. God, they finally listen to your voice, that they finally see you leading them, you guiding them, and that they give their life to you today, Father God. We love you and we thank you that you are the good shepherd, that we have peace and purpose. God, that we have protection through you. God, that you give us destiny. Thank you, God, for anointing us and giving us a place at your table. So, Father, I pray with this last passage, 1 Peter 2. Once we were like sheep who wandered away, but now we turn to you, the shepherd and the guardian of our souls.